It's not what we call oldie but goodie. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't mind. I know he's real. And I know you know he's real too. Today is bittersweet. First and foremost, I got to bid some friends of mine goodbye. I don't mean permanently because I am going down to Atlanta at some point in time to check up on them, you know. Uh, Jacob sent his flocks and family in portions. Today, the holidays are later. The holidays will be sending their little ones. So this is our last day to say goodbye to the holiday children. And so I'm going to ask them to stand right now, along with Grandpa and Grandma. And yeah, stand for me, would you please, so we can. Amen. Amen, amen. Oh, where's Delani? Hmm. There you are. How can I miss such a big man? <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. They leave us. It's their last Sabbath with us. It's been a thrill, Delani. It's been a real thrill, brother. Kanai and Amari. You know, Amari, you gave me a hard time. <laughs> Our love relationship, you know, <laughs> took a while. But praise God. Amen. Amen. But I've never seen such respectful children. Uh, within the church, away from parents, just hardworking kids who have a drive for success and uh, for doing well. Our hearts and our prayers are with you. Uh, know that the family out here in Vegas, you know you can come anytime, and we mean that. Uh, anytime you want to come to these naked mountains, you can come back. <laughs> and we'll always love to have you back. So from the bottom of our hearts, we will miss you, and we want you to know that. To our guests who are joining us here uh, for the first time from the East Coast, West Coast, wherever you are, California, I'm, I'm blessed today to have some friends who I went to school with in Jamaica, and the Millers are in the back. They're here for business, but they decided to pause their business to join us and fellowship with us. Uh, so, Brother Denu Miller and his wonderful wife, Shawnette Miller, it's a pleasure to have you uh, fellowship with us this weekend. You are in the best church in Las Vegas. And the United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the best place. We'll shake hands after, okay? It's okay. And I'll hug you too. All my visitors, uh, it's our pleasure to have you uh, worshiping with us today. And now for those who are joining us at station KKVV 1060 AM. We are extremely happy to have you once more uh, listening to this service as you travel to and fro, or maybe you are just working today, or whatever your situation may be. We are excited that you have joined us to worship with us on the radio. For those who are watching us live at www.abundantlifelv.org, it's our privilege once more uh, to be sharing with you.
Our dream is one day you come by and worship with us here at 1720 North J Street. If you'd like to connect with us, you may call us at 702-647-2627. Would love to hear from you. Our special guest speaker today is no stranger to some of us. He's my buddy. We went to undergraduate studies uh, in the seminary together. He has been pastoring for a number of years. Uh, he pastored at the Imani Church in California. And currently, he is the pastor at the Salt Lake Central Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are blessed to have him here today. He has been pastoring there for just over two years now and having a wonderful time up there. Amen. 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 So it's a privilege to have Pastor Sheldon Bryan. Uh, he has been blessed with a wonderful wife, Terry Bryan. Stand up, Terry. You know I got to do that to you. Amen. Amen. She has allowed him to stay with her for over 10 years. Amen. And she's been blessed to have you for 10 years. Hallelujah. Praise God. We love that here at Abundant Life. 10, not just quantity years, but quality years of marriage. And I'm sure you'll have something to say about that. But we are thrilled to have them both here today as we prepare to hear from our manservant, Pastor Sheldon Bryan. We ask that you pray for him and that, Pastor Bryan, we ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead as you minister to us. Before we hear from him, we will be favored with a special selection from Janice Stevenson, after which we'll hear from Pastor Sheldon Bryan, Hear Ye Him. Amazing. 
Shall forever turn my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. I'm so thankful for that song. It's really appropriate that uh, we just worship the Lord for a second, for all his goodness, for all his mercy, for all his favor towards us, because God's been good. <laughs> I know you may not know that. <laughs> Uh, because God has a way of blessing us even in spite of ourselves. Uh, so I want to thank you for the invitation to be here, bring you greetings on behalf of uh, the Salt Lake City Central SDA Church and also the Talikimamani SDA Church. It's our newest Tongan church here in the Nevada, Utah conference. Uh, we are almost celebrating a year since we launched last October 1st. We've been having a good time up there in uh, Salt Lake City. People often ask me, how did a Jamaican fellow get up to Salt Lake City? I said, right there in the city of the Mormon church. I know you're thinking it. So let me just set the record straight. This is our Father's world, amen? God will send you wherever he chooses to. And where he sends you, he will equip you to be there. So my wife and I, we've been having a wonderful time over the last two years. We expect to be there another eight years. Come on, say praise the Lord. We expect to be there for a long time. I want to thank... My good friend, Pastor Russell Lee, Lee Wars, he's been up there with us to support, hold up our hands up there in Salt Lake. We're so grateful for his ministry here and for Sister Rosa and for the young, young kid, Janai. He's a blessing. He's a, he's a little active little one right there. We're praying that the Lord will continue to bless him and to train him up in the ways of uh, Mexico first. <laughs> and then after we're finished with the Mexican thing, we can uh, add the icing to the cake, just give him the Jamaican heritage. Come on, say <laughs> praise the Lord. I know you have a wonderful staff here, Pastor Holiday. He's a good, good, good administrator, great leader. When I learned that he was transitioning to other 
falls, I said, uh, this church is losing a great worker. And uh, we pray for his family and his ministry, wherever God is leading him. We know that God will be here with abundant life. Uh, so we want to thank him for his years of service here. And we pray that God will go with him. I want to thank the elders. I want to thank you for allowing me to speak with you, hopefully very briefly today. And our topic for consideration is, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through to verse 21, the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I love free stuff. I love it. And with the advent of internet technology, we find out that we can get so many free things in this day and age. Come on, say amen. Uh, there's a new model that has emerged within the business world, and it's called the freemium model. Uh, the basic premise behind the freemium is we are dealing with a new category of goods today. They're called experienced goods. And experienced goods are really things that you didn't know you need, but once you experience it, you can't live without it. <laughs> I know many of us didn't know that we could live without Facebook, but uh, what would we do today if we didn't have Facebook? I tell you the truth, I don't know certain things happening in my church until I log on to Facebook. And so every morning, right after I say my gentle Jesus, meek and mild, I do my little devotional, I log on to Facebook and I check to see that everybody is still living. I check to see if my young people are still breathing. I check to see whatever accomplishments have been made. It has become an integral part of ministry. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's the 21st century. Get with the program. The freemium model basically says you cannot estimate the value of an experienced good until you experience it. And so, different companies have come up with different subcategories within the freemium model. We have those that are feature limited, and so you will get access to some softwares for free that will do only certain things, and after you've experienced it, if you want more, you have to, you got to pay. Uh, for some, you have a time limitation, and so they will give you a free 30-day trial, and after 30 days, you've got to? I know what most of us do. We go 29 days, and then we cancel. Come on now. And we open a new email address, and then we go another 30 days. And then we cancel. Uh, then you have some that are capacity limited. You have some software that will allow you to do five prints or uh, let me see those who do Dropbox. Anybody knows about uh, uh, Dropbox? Yes, uh, praise the Lord. I'm not talking to an alien crowd here. Some people will understand what I'm saying. They will give you five gigs for free. And as you keep using it, they say, man, you love this product, right? Uh, come on, though. Give us a little money and we give you more. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, some are customer class limited. And so there are some softwares that uh, schools can get for free 
or at a reduced price just because you are an educational institution, but for, for all you ordinary folk, you gotta pay for it. I remember once when I was in college, I felt so good riding on the bus, the UTA system in California for free because I was a student at Lossier University, and then it hit me. I loved uh, free to such an extent that I didn't understand the longer I was a student, sure, the bus ride was free, but I couldn't afford anything else. <laughs> so I say I got, I got to get myself away from this free stuff, you know? I got to get myself into a new mindset. So the, the question for many businesses today is not how to get customers, it's how to transfer those customers who came on board because your service was free. Oh, you're not hearing me today. It's how do we translate our free customers into premium customers, into paying customers. Facebook, I read the other day, has over 800 million users. But I do declare that if somehow Facebook decided that you had to pay, they would have two customers. <laughs> the question is, how do we get people to move from enjoying the service to valuing it enough to pay for it? And there is a theory in economics called the penny gap. And the penny gap basically tells us that whenever something is for free, there is an infinite demand for the thing. Uh, but the moment you attach a price to it, suddenly the demand diminishes exponentially. I know we all like to go to Sam's Club, Walmart, and even if you're vegetarian, you go there, you see them, giving away samples. Oh, I'm not talking to nobody today. I say you're vegetarian, you took the vow. But you walked into Sam's Club and see them sampling some chicken and you remember the days, precious memories, how they linger. Because there is something psychologically when something is being offered free, we feel as if there is nothing to lose. We might as well try it. But if there was a price attached to it, we find that people no longer value those experienced goods. Jesus says there is a spiritual truth behind this penny gap. Didn't the Bible say, taste and see that the Lord is good? That's what the Bible says. It says, uh, the Bible says, come buy gold from me without price. I'll, I'll bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. Uh, and the Bible says there is a free section to the kingdom. Because when the Lord is blessing, he causes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. He just wants people to know that he is good. The problem is in Jesus' ministry, as in any ministry, there are always four classes of people. You have the critics. You have the crowds. You have the committed and you have the commissioned. And every different level demands a different level of commitment. There is a price to be paid to move beyond levels within the kingdom. You're not hearing me today. And wherever Jesus went, he ministered to the multitudes, but he always ministered with the minority. Why? Because many are called. The few are chosen. Because to be chosen, you got to be willing to pay the price. You can't just live off 
the Salvo Buffet. Come on now. You can't stay in Walmart all day standing around the free sample table. If you like the stuff, you got to pay for it. And Jesus says there's a price to discipleship. The question today is, have we counted the cost? And are we willing to go beyond the penny gap and to pay? The time, your talents, your treasure, your presence. Are you willing to go beyond and to pay the, the price? Say to your neighbor, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Father, as we open your word today, give us clarity and power is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 There are two major myths about Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through verse 21, that robs this scripture of its power to speak conviction to our hearts. And the first major myth is that in this passage, people say Jesus is condemning action done in our self-interest. People say you should not do anything simply because it's the best thing for you to do. And people will emphasize the fact that Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves. So Jesus is against accumulation of wealth. But that's not what the, what the Bible teaches. See, Jesus didn't say you should never lay up wealth. Well, you're not hearing me today. <laughs> The passage isn't talking about self-interest, it's talking about selfishness. And there's a difference between self-interest and selfishness. You see, Jesus says self-interest looks at what's in the best interest of you. And what could be better for you than that your soul be saved? The Bible says, what will it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Jesus is saying today, there is nothing wrong with thinking about what's in the best interest of myself and my family. You better be thinking about your family because ain't nobody else going to think about them. But what will it profit you if you chase after material blessings and lose your health, lose your mind, lose your influence, lose your relationships, and ultimately lose your salvation? You've got to think higher than that. You've got to be more ambitious. You can't just look simply as material possessions as an end in themselves. They are simply a means to an end. They don't own you. You own them. That's the first myth. The second myth is that People think that Jesus here makes a distinction between spiritual possessions and physical possessions. It's not there. I'm here to tell you there are no such things as spiritual possessions. You have some in the church who believe that there is a spiritual work separate and apart from a physical work. And so somebody comes off the street hungry and all they want to do is pray. Oh, I know prayer has got power. You, you hear me today? Prayer has got power. But when somebody is hungry, you got to do something physical. And that physical thing that you do will help them to think spiritually about the significance. Oh, Jesus didn't say you have spiritual treasures and physical treasures. Jesus says treasures are treasures. It's not the thing, it's where you put it. It's the placement. You know, I have problems losing things. I, 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 and my wife has been trying to teach me over 10 years. She's been trying to teach me the reason why you can never find your keys 
Uh, some of you are still with me. The reason why you can never find your wallet is every time you get home, you put them in a different place. Uh, so sometimes it will be by the television, and then other times it will be in the couch, and then sometimes it will be somewhere around the throne. Not the throne of God, just somewhere around the throne. Uh, sometimes it will be around the desk. No wonder you cannot find anything and you lose stuff because you need to put things in their proper place. And if you put things in their proper place, you will not lose it because when you're ready for it, you can go to the place where you put it and it will be there. Jesus here is telling us that the reason why we lose our stuff is because we put it in the wrong place. Turn to your neighbor and say, placement gives power to your passion. See, God is here telling us that your spiritual service is a physical thing. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 tells us that present your what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's an oxymoron. Sacrifices are supposed to be dead. Uh, but Jesus says with the death of the Old Testament way of doing things, uh, the old sanctuary service of, of ceremony and pomp, God is not interested in dead sacrifices. He wants you to live as a sacrifice. And this is, some version says, this is your reasonable service. The more newer version says, it's your spiritual service. Why? Because serving the Lord is a whole body experience. You're Adventist. You're not dualist. You don't believe in a soul. You believe we are the soul. We are a complete being. So service to the Lord is a full body experience. Ain't no way you can serve the Lord and your wallet isn't serving Jesus. You can't be serving the Lord and your presence ain't there. You've got to be there physically to serve the Lord. Don't just pray about it. Do something about it. James chapter 2 verse 14 to 20 reminds us that physical possessions have a power to do a spiritual good. In fact, the clincher here is that for some of us, our spiritual experience is dead, listen to me now, because we are not physically engaged in ministry. James chapter 2 verse 20 says, don't you know, faith without works is... It's dead, D-O-D, -D, dead. Did I spell that right? I don't know. <laughs> Works breathes life into your faith. Ain't nothing like doing what the Lord tells you to do. And then when you do it and you found out that what you thought would never happen, happened, that brings you to understand you can trust the Lord. But if you never take that step, your faith will never grow. Many of us, we have a languishing spiritual experience because we do not unite our faith with our works. They are in disagreement. They never meet. What Jesus is teaching us in this parable is that we lose our stuff and ultimately ourselves when we limit our investments to earthly realities. See, people are motivated by four things in life. See, people who are motivated by romance. That means they always want a new experience. Come on now, they don't want to do church the same way every week. I'm not talking to nobody. <laughs> Uh, they don't want to see the house looking the same way. And so this week you come and the house looks one way, it's pink. Next week it's yellow. 
And they like it that way. They like the, the, the adventure of doing things differently. They don't drive the same route to work every day and then drive the same route back home. I know some of us do that because we like to be regular, but other people, they are more romantic. They like adventure. Oh, don't touch your husband, no. You've been talking to him for years, but he can't hear you. But there are some people who are motivated by newness. They like the new things. Come on now. Then there are other people who are motivated by recognition. Say recognition. Ain't nothing wrong with recognition. It means when they do something, they want to know that they're achieving stuff. So, so when we're doing our meetings, they'll say, Pastor, don't call me when it's meeting time. Call me when it's time to get stuff accomplished. I don't just want to talk about it, be talking about it. I want to do something so that I can see that I accomplished something. They want recognition. And there are other people who are motivated by rewards. I know many of us, we're ashamed to say that's what we're motivated by, but that's people. You know you have some workers at your job, they don't want more money, they just want a title. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Is if you take it to the extreme. Anything can be taken to the extreme. Are you still with me? If you recognize them for the work that they do, they will work for you. Some of them will work for you for free. Just if you give them a... T How many people get paid in the church? Most of us work for free, right? Come on now. But if people don't recognize what you're doing after a while, you feel as if you're being used, right? Am I talking to somebody today? But if they would just give you a little plaque, come on now. Print a little paper. Oh, come, you're not... You're not okay, I'm going to move on. There are some people that are motivated by reward. They want to know that after they have worked, they can go to a nice restaurant and they can afford to buy something and the budget doesn't crash. I'm not talking to nobody today. Let me, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm motivated by reward. Come on, say amen. I told my wife, we worked this thing out. We've been married 10 years now. About a year or so ago, I finally got an allowance. <laughs> and I told her, these are my basic needs. I want to know when I work, I can go to Del Taco and I can buy a Veggie Works burrito and a large strawberry lemonade and our budget won't be in jeopardy, amen? I need to reward myself when I work, because I work hard. I, I don't need a lot of stuff. I just need to know that, that there's something that says, hey, you got paid. <laughs> and I know for some of us, it, it's that trip to Coles. Oh, oh, glory, hallelujah. It's the trip to Coles, right? You can, you can go buy them new shoes, and then you just try them on for a little bit, and it makes you feel good, right? You're motivated by that. That makes you want to work even harder. Ain't nothing wrong with that. It's when we take it to the extreme. But the last and probably the most powerful motivator is the lever that Jesus pulls in this passage. And it is the motivation of risk. Jesus says there are people who are motivated by what they may gain or what they may lose. And he says here, if you don't put your stuff in the right place, you're going to lose it. Did you see that? Jesus says, you better be careful where you put your stuff because you're going to lose it. I know many of you invested in Facebook because you thought it was the hottest thing. <laughs> and you put it in the wrong place because it lost 25% of its value. And Zuckerberg... Uh, after you spent your money, he sold his shears, got married, and went on a vacation. Praise the Lord. I left you holding the bag. Jesus says, if you don't put things in their proper place, you will lose it. And I know we don't like to lose our stuff because the reason we accumulate stuff is so that we can feel secure when we get in a tight spot. Yes. 
We're all like Linus, that little character from the Peanuts news strip. We're always dragging around our security blankets. We all like that rainy day stuff. We like the retirement fund. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. Uh, we ain't coming to Vegas if we don't have enough gas to get us back home. We like the contingency fund. Uh, we like the, 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 the rainy day fund. We like the emergency fund. Uh, we like to lay up, lay aside, and lay away treasures just in case there is a, an emergency we can turn to our stash of stuff. And we will be saved. Turned to my wife the other day. I looked her in the eyes. I said, do we have any money? She said, no. I said, what do you mean we don't have any money? And I pried a little bit more and I found out, I, I discovered, come on, say discovered. That we had a rainy day fund. And if you ask on an ordinary day, Say, so if you just ask on an ordinary day, you will be told that we have nothing. When the truth is, we got stuff stashed away. I know parents teach their young daughters especially, you're going on a date, you got your vexation money. They call it vexation money in, in, in Jamaica. I don't know what they call, you, call it here. Mad money. Oh, yes. Because if that sucker not treating you good. <laughs> glory, hallelujah. But here is the paradox of our possessions. Jesus says the things we rely on for security are not in and of themselves secure. The stock that we place so much value in that in case of emergency we can always fall back on it are not secure in and of themselves. And at times we will turn to our stock that we packed away only to find that they have been soiled, spoiled, or stolen. Jesus says when we keep things in store and, and we go back to go get our possession, we are liable to find them maimed or missing. You know that favorite shirt that you used to wear? He tried to keep it so clean. Then one day you found a hole. A hole got bigger. And you had to throw it away. And I know many of us had, come on now, H-A-D, had, a 401k. <laughs> but we had to bury that. And many of us bought homes thinking that we could make a quick buck. I remember in California they were buying empty plots. People were buying empty plots and selling empty plots and getting $200,000, $300,000 and moving to Georgia. We bought a home. It lost $100,000 in less than a year. And we bought it when we thought the market was at its bottom. But Jesus says when we invest our things in, in earthly stuff and we expect that it's going to be there in the tough times that we can rely on them, the things we rely on are not in and of themselves secure. And so we may go back to find them, go back to go get them. I know you put that sandwich up in the fridge and you told yourself tomorrow I'm going to eat it and you go back and you can't eat it because you see stuff growing on it. <laughs> it's not secure in and of itself. Many of us are thinking about, Pastor, what about? You talk about Zuckerberg. What, what's this guy? He's the, the, the investor, famous investor. 
Buffett. Buffett started out small, but now he has $44 billion. See, Jesus never just stopped there because he knows some of us are smart. We know how to beat the system so that our stuff don't get spoiled. Come on now. You know, when you're rich, the rich gets richer. And the poor gets poor. See, there are some people who can beat the system. But the problem is, even if our possessions don't get soiled, spoiled, or stolen, they have a way of soiling, spoiling, and stealing our hearts away from the kingdom. That's what Jesus says. He says, even if you didn't lose it, you may actually lose yourself. There's an app that I install on my phone. And I lose it, it screams. So I can locate it. <laughs> Some of you need to install that app on your phone today, amen? But here Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, says there's an app for a heart that has been stolen from God's work. Says if you want to know where your heart is, because you know some of us have lost the passion for doing ministry for the Lord. Used to be fun, but ain't that fun no more. No, it's just a job, it's a chore that we do. He says there is an app I can give you because sometimes we lose our hearts and we can't find them. He says, this is it. You ready for it? Follow the trail of your finances. Follow the money trail. Follow where you're investing your time. Follow where you're investing your energies. Follow where you're investing your efforts. You know, many of us, we think we can't do certain things. We don't have a passion for it. Come on now. Young people wonder all the time, what is my passion in life? I say, what, what do you spend all your time doing? What the Bible says, I'm closing. What the Bible says is the heart is a very obedient thing. The heart is like a little dog that has been trained. Your heart will roll over when you tell it to roll over. It will sit when you tell it to sit. It will play dead when you tell it to play dead. It will go where you tell it to go. And Jesus says today you can find your heart because it goes where you give. Your heart will always follow what you give the most to. That's why for some of us when the Lakers got knocked out, couldn't watch basketball no more. And I know I don't have many people who will be with me on this one, but when the Patriots lost again to the Giants, I said, I don't know if I want to watch football anymore. <laughs> Jesus says, if you want to find what you're interested in, follow your investments. Jesus says, placement gives power to your passion. If you want your marriages to be sweet again. Start spending some money on your wife. You know, my wife didn't like the single man ties that I used to wear. So over time, I noticed I couldn't find my shirts anymore. Couldn't find my ties, they were just replaced. One by one. And after a while, I couldn't dress myself. I had to be instructed. <laughs> this goes with that. I got it for you. I love you. Jesus says, if you want to increase your passion, you have to increase your investment. It's not going to happen the other way around where when you feel like it, you will invest. He says, when you invest, you will feel like it. I know when we got the new car, you couldn't eat in it. 
because we just signed the papers. We knew how much it cost. But after that car got worn down, and we checked it out on Kelly Blue Book, and we found out now that it's worth $1,000. We said, change the baby in there, throw the diaper, tuck it away around that side. Not worth much. Your heart isn't in it anymore because your investments have left. Jesus says, many of us, our bodies are here, but our hearts aren't here. There's a penny gap that is causing us to enjoy the benefits of ministry, but not to contribute. And the truth of the matter is, most of us are spiritual people. We, we're, we're trying to figure out why is it that church isn't as engaging for me. And we're, we're thinking if they could just do this. Or if the pastor could just do that. Or the deacons or somebody else. And, and God is saying no, it doesn't happen when somebody else. It happens when you invest. Can I talk to you? I, I preached this sermon last week at my church, and a homeless person gave me $20 and said, put this into your church. Homeless person. We got treasures. You got money. You got time. Because you know what we say? We say we don't got time. And when you really look at it, the people who work the most in the church are some of the most busiest people on the job. It's not that they don't have time, but they have decided to make an investment. And we envy folk who play well. Come on now. I was listening to the music today. I said, I play, but not that good. But we don't know that it, it calls for an investment. If you invested, you would see the interest following. But because you, you're not willing to invest until you see the, the interest, you'll never see the interest because you never made the investment. And so Christ says, I can take you from a critic, bring you into the crowd, make you committed, and send you forward as a commissioned ambassador here at Abundant Life. That's what he did with Paul. You know, because Saul was a critic, but he commissioned him and sent him. It cost. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I'm closing, Jesus is everything to me. When I weigh everything that I have, I count it all but lost just so that I may know him. I made that investment. And I know there are some things, if we lose them in a fire, we can lose the house. But if we lost that one picture that we have of mama's wedding, we can't replace it. Jesus says, I can make you a commissioned ambassador, but it's going to take some money. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your presence. It's going to take your talent. You have got to be fully invested in the process. You can't just be enamored by the free. You got to be a pain member. I'm talking plain to you today. I, I'm so happy I spoke to my church about this first. Because what we need today are people who are wrapped up and tangled up and tied up in Jesus, who are fully invested in God, who have tried him for themselves and have found out that he's all right. Amen. That there's nobody greater than the Lord. And if he gave his life for us, then we ought to be able to win and willing to give anything to him. Amen. Uh, Jesus is worth every penny. I say he's worth every second. He's worth every ounce that you put into making service excellent for the Lord. He is worth it and he is worth 
And when you put your trust in the Lord, you'll never be disappointed. Amen. That's a guarantee. <laughs> Jesus says when you invest in heaven, which means when you give to those who can never give back to you. So it's not just the church now. Not just talking about giving to the church budget. Come on, say amen. amen. You give to that person who will never, ever, ever be able to give back to you. Amen. You secure for yourselves treasures that will never, never, never vanish away. Christ says, in the time of trouble, I'll hide you because you invested. Last thing, we have a free website that the church provided. You know, the, the union and the division and all that, they have free websites. We got one. <laughs> Loved it. Worked with it. Then we're having problems. We decided to call up the help center. Come on now. <laughs> call up the help center. Typed in our information. They said, brother, we can't help you. You didn't buy the package. <laughs> you didn't buy the service package. You didn't see the value of the service package. So you took the free stuff. I know you want to get on the premium side. We're all paying for the premium side. I said, you know, you're going to have to work out your own salvation. Fear and trembling. And it taught me a lesson that if you value, if you value it, you got to pay for it. It means you're going to spend some time, some energy, some effort. If you value marriage, you're going to pay for it. If you value your kids, if you value this school right here, oh, come on now. It's not easy to run a school. We just bought a school in Salt Lake, three churches together, $2.4 million. We pay more for the school than we actually pay for a church budget. But we say if we don't have the school, we're dead as a church anyway. It's just when are they going to pronounce us dead? So we said we're going to pay for it because it is an investment. And you don't get certain benefits without paying. So today, are you willing to be fully invested? Your time, your talents, your treasure, your temple. See, Jesus isn't interested in amounts because he wants all of it. <laughs> Everything belongs to him. He says, if you put your everything and invest it in me, I guarantee it, you can't lose. You can't lose. You will receive a harvest. It will be the most adventurous thing you will do. Because sometimes God will tell you some crazy stuff. I got a gift yesterday. God said, give it away. I said, wow, I would love to spend some of that gift on myself. He said, nope. I have a need that I want you to give it to. I said, okay. It's done. My wife was folding my pants today. She phoned it. She said, her eyes wide open. I said, well, remember that blessing that I told you about that God gave us? that we're supposed to give to somebody else, that's it. So let's just put it away. We didn't see it. It's going to be adventurous. We don't know how it's going to work. But if you stick with the Lord, he will give you the experience of your life. So today I commend you to God. He's worth everything. He's worth your time, your talents, your treasure, your temple. I pray that as together we move together, invest together, fully involved in this process, God will give us blessings. Pour out, open the windows of heaven and pour, 
a blessing that we'll not have room enough to receive. Are you invested? Are you invested? God bless you. Until we meet again. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Brian for sharing such a wonderful, sober message. And I believe that he challenged us today to be invested. Amen? Amen. Could you all stand with me at this time? You heard the preacher today. The word was clear. And I'm wondering right now if someone is here that came in here today to invest in God. You came for the first time, perhaps. I just want you to know I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you. If you're here, come on down so we can have special prayer with you. I don't know what your situation is, but we want to pray with you. Are you here? If you're here, just come on down to the front. We will pray with you. Abundant Life, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you to pray for someone today that you know need, that individual needs special prayer. You pray silently right now for that individual. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm wondering if someone here today would like to commit by just raising your right hand. You're committing to a walk with Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I see your hand, sister. Yes. Took courage to do that right there. Praise the Lord. Right here. Put, put your hand up again. Put that hand up. Yeah. Get that courage going. There it is. Amen. Right there. Right there. Someone else today would like to say, Jesus? No, I don't know how things are mapped out. You know I like, I like everything mapped out myself. But I'm willing to trust you nonetheless. I'm willing to put my hand in your hand and to walk hand in hand with you. If you're that person today, just raise your hand. I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. I see another hand right there. Praise God. See your hand. Amen. Right over the building. Amen. Amen, little sis. I see your hand. I can see you. Yes. I see your hand in the back. See your hand, sister. Shall we pray, Father? What a word today. Lord, it was a frank and to the heart kind of a word today. You're saying, oh God, you, you, you don't want us to continue to play church. Just go through the motions each Sabbath. Sabbath after Sabbath, we come and we confess and we go home and the cycle continues. You're calling us today to make it real with you. To turn a new chapter in our lives. Oh Lord, we know this is possible if we but trust you. Lord, if we but submit to you. Submit our minds, our hearts, our bodies, these temples, O oh God.
so that you can reside in them. Father, make it so today. Make it so. Lord, we thank you. We bless your name. We praise you. And we thank you. We love you, Jesus. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit. For we ask it all in the name that's above every name. The name Jesus. Let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. That will serve as our benediction. 